Welcome to Sports and a Slice of Life. And now, here's your host, Dave Lewis. Mahaney on the right side. Hold the ball high. Left off the screen. Goes left wing. Off the bounce. Takes the three. It bakes in. Oh, my goodness. 68-64. Mahaney baked in the three. Let's it fly. It is good. 56-55, full court pressure here for BYU. Let's see if Randy Bennett calls a timeout. Mahaney dribbling with six with five. Mahaney top of the arc. Mahaney with the right-hand drive. Mahaney stops, turn around, fall away, jumpers on the way. It's good! It's good! Mahaney gives the Gales the lead with three-tenths of a second left. Are you kidding me? Damn, that guy's good. That guy is good. <laughs> Aiden Mahaney? Alex Jensen. He no, is. you! Alex Jensen, the voice of the Gales, 10 years, right? Yeah, I think this is number 11, actually. Look how young you Time look, flies. too. When you, yeah, you started as a kid, and you still, you know, it's super youthful. Um, the number one seed in the West Coast Conference tourney, Alex Jensen's been there a long time. We're thrilled he's here. We're talking college basketball. Love this time of the year. Let me turn on the volume of the phone so no one messes around with us. Hey, coming in after this uh, unbelievable season and uh, so discouraging last week, it's a one-game thing, and people, everyone loses when they go to Gonzaga. But uh, maybe the most sloppy half of Gales basketball I've seen here. And then you look at the positive and how they competed to you know get within a two-score game. What do you extract from that game heading into the tourney? I think you kind of have to take the positives away just based on the way they finished the game. I mean, they outscored Gonzaga in the kennel in the second half after – I mean, a disastrous, like you mentioned it, right? A disastrous first half. They had eight turnovers in that first half. And, you know, I mean, when the Gales load on the ball, Dave, as you know, they're really, it'd be really tough. They had eight turnovers total in Moraga in 45 minutes. They turned over eight times in the first half against that one, two, two zone press. But I, I think the, the main takeaway for me is that you have to be encouraged with the way that they settled in, uh, adjusted to the press. And like I said, outscored Gonzaga in the second half. So, you know, went through some bump. There were, you know, it was a lot of guys. It was their first time playing in the kennel. It was Aiden Mahaney's first time playing in the kennel. Uh, Mitchell Saxon was kind of a non-factor, which was kind of a mystery to me because he, he was so good in that first matchup. Uh, and maybe that's a Mark Feud X's and O's deal where he, he kind of took him out, uh, you know, kind of took the ball out of his hands or, or what have you. But I, I think that, the, yeah, the main takeaway for me is you have to be encouraged by the way they finish the game. A lot of teams down 19 in the second half in that building with game day there with the kettle going nuts, you know, it's, it's easy to fold up the tent and, and get back on the bus and head home and, you know, get ready for the WCC tournament. But this team kept competing. And in my opinion, outplayed Gonzaga for the entirety of the 20 minutes in the second half. I know RB said that you could talk about practicing and playing music, you know, at home, just hey, turn the speaker <laughs> yeah. really loud. There's something just like Spokane. It's nothing like Spokane that you can't duplicate that experience until you actually play it. Yeah, you got to be there. And it, it's all the way down to, you know, pregame warmups when uh, you've been there, Dave, like, I mean, the kennel's full and uh, your guys come out and they're, they're booing you, you know, 60 minutes before tip off, the kennel's talking trash. They're right on top of you while you're warming up. I mean, in that, in that gym, if you're, you know, taking shots from the left corner, you have guys, you know, and students literally right in your ear uh, talking trash to you before the game. So yeah, it's a whole experience, man. And especially like I mentioned, you know, for, uh, game day to be there for Gonzaga to have lost the previous game to St. Mary's in the fashion they had lost it for so much to be on the line. I mean, if Gonzaga loses that game, it's the first time in 10 years 
that they don't have at least a share of the West Coast Conference regular season championship. And everyone in that building knew that. So, yeah, it's 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 the whole experience. It's not just the volume, uh, because we've both been in Moraga when that place has been in its loudest. They, you know, the Gales played at BYU. But, yeah, it's it's the entire thing. It's um, that, that goes into it. And what makes playing in the kennel special? I mean, it's a really special experience for home and visitors alike. Oh, hey, I got to share with you the story. Back in the old days, I went up there with Santa Clara, and they seated me in that kennel area where all the fans were, and they were brutal, so they'd heckle you and throw stuff at you. So I said, I'm going to befriend those guys. So I got there super early, and I was asking about like how I could get a T-shirt, how I could join the club. Oh, you had a guy break a backboard? Can you give me a piece of the backboard? So I still have it. This is Casey Calvary breaking a backboard back in the 90s and I, and I got them to give me a piece of it so they became buddies so they were looking over my shoulder for stats and so I wasn't as harassed as much as a, a regular road guy but it was all part of the strategy let me get these guys to like me and then they would just you know like be my homeboys by the end because they are brutal if you're on the other side they really are they really are and it's different than anywhere else you know I mean we just heard the Mahaney game winner at BYU it's just a different feel and BYU is one of the best home court advantages in the country in my opinion but there's just something about the kennel like you mentioned that's that that is unique to being the kennel and what makes it really hard to win at Gonzaga I don't know just hold it for the camera this is January 2nd 2001 so uh <laughs> got those guys to like me and I've kept it so I have a lot of respect for uh, everything they do up there hey what do you think uh you know going into the tournament the way it shaped down obviously with the net ranking St. Mary's the number one seed uh, as opposed to the number two. And uh, we were talking off our recording, man, I really like the one for, instead of the two, because I don't want Santa Clara in that semifinal game. Yeah. It's interesting because I look at that bracket and I see BYU and LMU who, um, you know, outside of St. Mary's and this, it's really an offensive driven league. You know, the, the West coast conference has been this year. You look at teams like obviously Gonzaga who has the number one offense in the country, Santa Clara, USF, Portland has a high powered offense, San Diego. So some of those teams don't play much defense Pacific's another one. Uh, but you know, I, I look at, it's funny cause I kind of fall on the opposite side of the fence. Santa Clara would be a tough matchup, obviously, but I think the Gales match up well with USF. Uh, I think the Gales match up, Okay with Santa Clara, but I look at BYU sitting there as a five seed. And I mean, they've probably been the most inconsistent team in the league this year, but they have really pushed St. Mary's and Gonzaga like no other team besides LMU has, who's actually beaten those two teams this season. But BYU's done it both at home and on the road. They've, been, I, they've done it in all four games, really, against both teams. So I look at BYU, and, and I guess this will probably dovetail into like my pick for potential Cinderella here in Vegas this year, but they guard, they rebound, uh, you know, and they're well coached. I, I you know, I, I think it took them a little while to, to kind of get uh, the cohesion uh, with all the transfers and, you know, guys being in and out of the lineup, Spencer Johnson, um, you know, to, to name the, the main one there that, that uh, dealt with some injuries earlier this year, but it's funny, like I, I get it because Santa Clara is a really good team and, they're the closest thing to an at-large that the West Coast Conference has outside of St. Mary's and Gonzaga. But I just look at the way that BYU and LMU are constructed and what they've done this year. And I, I that I look at the side of the bracket. And I'm like, man, man, I don't know. Maybe you'd rather have the Gales as the two because of that's, uh, you know, USF and Santa Clara, maybe not quite as tough. But 
you know, you're really you're really splitting hairs when you're talking about this stuff because one to six, I think the WCC is as deep as it's ever been. Yeah, and if you're loyal to Marymount as the four, you say, hey, hey, why not us? And we're the only yeah. team ever to beat BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga in the same season. Hey, and they got a dynamic player that can take over a game, and uh, you know, Cam Shelton that's obviously capable of scoring thirty against anybody. So um, that's definitely a tough one and out situation. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And they've got the belief, like you mentioned, you know, they, they know that they can beat St. Mary's. They know that they can beat Gonzaga because they've done it this year. Um, so they've got the belief. They've got a player that can take over a game. They've got some upward trajectory as a program in general and really looking to kind of, uh, you know, capitalize that uh, or really, you know, accentuate that this week here in Vegas. Um, but it, it's a tough road, man. And, and Santa, you can say the same thing for Santa Clara, although they haven't beaten St. Mary's or Gonzaga. You know, Brandon Pajemski was the co-player of the year. They're probably going to be in the NIT, I think. I mean, I think they're shooing for the NIT, but now they're trying to knock that door down of getting to the NCAA tournament like like USF did last year. But, yeah, there's – I mean, you mentioned LMU. We talked about BY Santa Clara. I mean, there's a lot of dangerous teams in this tournament, and it's more wide open than it's been in, in the last few years. Were you surprised at all that Pajemski got the co-player of the year? I was a little bit, honestly. Um, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't deserving, but I, his I numbers are off tweet, the charts. His numbers are off the charts, but I saw somebody tweet his numbers against St. Mary's and Gonzaga versus the rest of the league. And that to me is the differentiator between him and Drew Timmy. You know, Timmy kind of dominated the whole way through, and he's been the best player in the league uh, for the last two years to me. And I'm, again, I'm not taking anything away from Brandon Pajemski. He had a fantastic year. He's a no-brainer first-teamer. He's the no-brainer newcomer of the year. Um, and he's going to – I think he's going to play – it sounds like he's going to play in the NBA, right? But I, I, I'll have to pull up the exact numbers of, of that tweet that I saw, his numbers against St. Mary's and Gonzaga versus his numbers against everybody else because that's the differentiator for me. And I think it was, you know, 38% from the field against the top two teams in the league you know, and above 50 against everybody else. I'm not saying that doesn't put you in the conversation for West Coast Conference Player of the Year, because it absolutely does. He, he's the, to me, he's the 1B to Drew Timmy's 1A, but I, I thought it was Timmy. You know, I thought going into that last game, if Logan Johnson scores 27, 30 like he did, and St. Mary's wins that game, Gales have a two-game margin in the conference race. He's the guy that holds everything together for them. I thought that could have been a single game where LJ takes player of the year. Yeah. And you know what, even with the Gales splitting the league, I, and I tweeted this out after that game, I think he deserves to at least be in the conversation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that he's more deserving than Timmy or Pajemski. In fact, you know, I mean, those two had better wire to wire years than Logan did because Logan struggled at times early in the year, but once he, you know, kind of found, okay, here's the pace I want to play at. Here's how I know I can affect the game. Here's my, uh, zig to their zag in terms of what they're trying to do with me in the scout. You know, he, I, I think he was the most important player on both sides of the floor for the number one seed in the West Coast Conference. And he really ended the year with a bang. Um, and to me, that earns him, along with Cam Shelton and Brandon Pajemski and, of course, Drew Timmy, that puts him in the conversation for player of the year. He deserved defensive player of the year, as did Kyle Bowen, I think. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I tie a hundred percent agree with you. If the Gales won that game, now I think you're talking about, okay, maybe Logan Johnson is player of the year, but I think he definitely right now deserves to be in that conversation. 
Hey, what did you see over the last two, three weeks of the year when he just went out of orbit, when he was capable of going for 30? And there are games where he would maybe go, you know, three for 13 and then eight points. And then by the end of the year, you're talking about 25 to 30 every game. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think we can kind of juxtapose the game in Moraga against Gonzaga, and you were there for that, against his game in Spokane, right? I felt like the game in Moraga, he was maybe playing with a little bit too much adrenaline in the first half, maybe trying to do a little bit too much. But when he slowed the game down and really picked his spots, there's not a whole lot of guards in the league that can stay in front of him. Um, and kind of when he let the game, when he started letting the game come to him down the stretch, I think is when he really became his, his most effective. You know, um, sometimes like in that Gonzaga game in particular, kind of forcing that pick and roll pass, that little one hand bounce pass through the lane that he was so effective with uh, in, you know, in the first half of the season. Um, and, you know, also just picking his spots and getting to the rim at the right time and, and also picking his spots from the perimeter. He was a much more effective three point shooter um, down the stretch than he was early in the year. But I think that's what it was, you know, it was just kind of letting the game come to him slowing things down and understanding where he could be aggressive and where it was better to dial it back a little bit. Hey, since you've seen every game over the course of a decade, and maybe some folks are listening haven't, you know, what is it about this group that makes them better than the sum of their parts? Because if you just looked at statistics alone, hey, you got a guy that scores 12 points, Alex Dukas, and Kyle Bowen, 5.7 rebounds. And, and you know, they don't blow you away, although there was a dynamic freshman in there that we'll talk about in a second. But what is it about the group collectively that makes them so special and a contender to get to that second week of the tournament? I think it's their toughness. Um, I mean, this team is so tough, man. Like that Gonzaga game in Spokane is a perfect example. You know, I mean, you're on, you're down 19 in the second half. You're on the verge of getting run out of the building. The kennel's going nuts. You know, Gonzaga's got all this mojo. And you stick together and you compete. I mean, we saw it in, in Moraga, too, right, in that game against Gonzaga, where they didn't play very well at all for the first 30 minutes, but they stuck together um, and found a way to get it done down the stretch. And it's just about competing, you know, like being tough and just competing. Uh, the, the, that senior core that you mentioned has a lot to do with that. Logan Johnson, Alex Dukas, and Kyle Bowen, they kind of set the tone. And, they, uh, you know, last year, Kyle Bowen, of course, coined the phrase gritty, not pretty. I mean, that's really something uh, that, you know, watching this team, that's a phrase that really, um, you know, hits home and it, when you watch this team for five, six, seven. Because you're right, it's not always the prettiest basket. I mean, they're, they, they go through several stretches of, you know, four or five minutes without scoring, yet their defense keeps them in the game. So to me, it's their toughness. I think that's that's what has kind of set them apart from the rest of the pack over the last two years. Yeah, we saw the the San Diego game went no baskets for 10 minutes and oh, uh, was still able to win a game on the road. That was like pulling teeth, man. That was, that was a tough watch the last 10 minutes of that game. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's it been like for you to watch Aiden Mahaney? And by the way, did you see the article in the Chronicle today about him? Yes. Not, we'll check it out later, but phenomenal yes. so he had a chance to go to you know in arizona pac 12 big time but he wanted to stay home uh, the impact he's made and uh a guy walking in his very first year it's not supposed to be this easy man he's making it look pretty easy to walk in and just kill it like he does yeah i think i i mean i, I was thinking about this um after that game in moraga against gonzaga the kid's just a winner you know he just he knows what it takes to win he lets the game come to him and there have been moments this year where he's looked like a freshman. Sure, he's a freshman. He's 19 years old. He's playing at this level for the first time. It's a really high level of college basketball. 
that he's playing. But it's just the fact that, I mean, he, he kind of fits into that toughness mantra too, right? Because, you know, that game winner against BYU, I mean, he was really struggling. He was like two for 10 or three for 10 before that shot. Um, and for Randy, first of all, for Randy Bennett, the coaching staff, to have the confidence in him as a freshman playing the Marriott Center for the first time to give him the ball in that situation tells you everything you know, tells you everything you need to know about what they think uh, of him. And then, you know, down the stretch of Gonzaga, I mean, uh, one of the calls I almost, you know, that I that I had from that um, from that game down the stretch uh, when I was looking at highlights to send you day was like, I mean, you you chimed in at the end. You're like, the kid's unbelievable. Like and that he do you remember how much he was struggling in that game in Moraga before one he for took 10. Over down the stretch one for one ten for 10. To start the game one for ten and then he scores like nineteen points with three assists in the final five minutes in overtime like it was he he had scored or assisted in nineteen of twenty one at one point and I just you know I, I think he senses the moment he knows what his team needs from him uh, to win so I just you know there's a lot of adjectives you could throw around about him and he's extremely talented. He's one of the best freshmen St. Mary's has ever had. You know, I remember when he was, after he signed, you know, Coach Bennett told me this is going to be the best freshman we've had or potential to be the, be the best freshman to have we've had here since Patty Mills and Matthew Delvadova. Like that's the level of player we're getting here. And it's, it's kind of played out that way, but he knows what his team needs for him to win. And again, you can throw out all the adjectives you want about him. I just think it always comes back to the kids, just a winner. He just he knows how to win. That's what's most important to him. And when the game's on the line, we've seen it. You know, he's he's at his best when his team needs him the most. Yeah, you know, a regular player like if Alex or Dave are players and we miss seven shots in a row, hey, you know what, I'll just guard. I'll just rebound. I'll pass. I'll do something else to help us win. He thinks the next shot's going to go in. It doesn't matter Every if he's seven or eight in a row. Yeah, and, and that's a, a mindset that's just different than the average guy. Yeah, no question. And again, that's what sets him apart. And it, it kind of underscores what this team is about. You know, it, it's just the grittiness, the toughness. Um, you know, we don't care if we haven't scored in five minutes. We're going to keep guarding. Eventually, it'll come to us. And, and they're not going to back. And we saw, you know, there was we saw it in Indi- uh, you know, in the in the NCAA tournament last year. They're not scared of Indiana. They're not scared of Gonzaga. Um, you know, so again, I just think what makes Aiden Mahaney special is kind of are kind of the same qualities that make. Alex Duke especially, make Kyle Bowen special, Logan John. It's just the whole team is is kind of wired in that way. And I, that that's why they've been so good, I think, over the last couple of years. And really, Dave, it, it's kind of a foundation that was laid during that 14 and 10 COVID year, if you can believe that, you know, adopting that tough that toughness mindset. Uh, we're going to be tougher than you, even though we may not score a whole lot. You're going to really you're going to have to beat us to beat us, you know, um, so. I just think it's 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 what's made this team special. It's what makes Aiden Mahaney special. We'll go into detail some other time about the Aussies because I want to get them on the show. Just to hear their voices is cool enough, but they've got a lot to bring <laughs> to the table in, uh, in Dukas and Kyle Bowen. Hey, you know what guy I think can be a factor the last couple of weeks because he's not one of the big-time guys and the big stat guy, but Josh Jefferson, that dude, and Coach Bennett's got you know confidence to throw him in the guts of the game, and this is a unique guy that – could be a difference maker, not massive stats, but he can guard, he can shoot, he can do a lot of things to help you win. A hundred percent. I was hoping when you said, when you started that sentence, I was hoping you were going to say Joshua Jefferson, because you're absolutely right. And his minutes have increased over the last few weeks. You know, I think he played 23 or 25 in Spokane, and he was really effective. I mean, outside of Kyle Bowen, he had the team's best plus minus. He was one of only two guys on the team 
that were in the positives in terms of plus minus. But you're absolutely right. I mean, and it's been a long time since St. Mary's had a guy like this. It's 6'8", 6'9", good athletic ability, good hands. He has a great feel for the game. I mean, he's such a good passer. Um, and he, he, he's, he kind of, it's a little bit similar to Mahaney, right? He kind of knows what it takes, what he needs to do to help his team win. And that's what he does. And his attention to detail in the scout, I think has really, um, and his defensive ability has, has been what's gotten him into the lineup. You know, he told me after the game at Portland, you know, offense is going to take care of itself. If I guard, if I, if, if, you know, I understand my assignments, tendencies, uh, if I can affect the game in that way, you know, the offense will take care of itself. And he's a very good offensive player, like you mentioned, as we've seen. But you're absolutely right. I mean, he's a guy – you can put him at the five. You know, put him at the five offensively and Bowen at the five defensively, which is what they did in Spokane um, in the kennel. And that's kind of where they started to get back into the game was, was with that lineup. So I think you're right. Another freshman who doesn't seem flustered by big moments. Um, and he has been getting better and better as the years gone on. Yeah, freshman, he won a state title playing at Liberty High in Vegas. and Beat Richard Gorman in the state title. Yeah, in overtime, and Gorman, I think, had won eight or nine state titles in a row, so it was quite an achievement, and Joshua and was they, the big. They had also, sorry, Dave, they, they had also beaten uh, Joshua's high school team twice in the regular season, and they got him in the state championship. So, yeah, you're right. Super cool. Hey, one final thing for now, and, and we have a chance to work with him uh, all the time, and – like I've known Randy his entire time at St. Mary's, so I'm a big fan, borderline groupie. But uh, <laughs> just for you, uh, getting a chance to you see how he inter- interacts with players and coaches and the impact he's had on his coaching tree. And then I had a chance to see him work with special needs adults the, uh, last week, which I thought was awesome to see a different really side cool. of him. But uh, just your thoughts on uh, dealing with RB. Yeah, I think I, I saw Jeff Ferrato wrote a piece for, for uh, you know the West Coast Conference Right when either right after coach uh, won his 500th game or just before. And when he first got to St. Mary's, um, it, you know, what he told his team and his staff, it's about being a good teammate and being a good person, first of all. And he's surrounded himself. And I think he's brought in players that are good teammates and he's surrounded himself with good people. And I think that's always what it comes down to, you know, having been around the program the last few years, I mean, you know, you can see it for yourself. Um, and I think that's always been kind of the baseline for the culture that he's created at St. Mary's, where it really is like a brotherhood. You have so many alumni coming back all the time. You know, I mean, there's two guys on his staff, right? And three guys on his staff with, uh, you know, Mickey McConnell, Joe Rahan, and Dan Sheets, who played for him. Uh, and, you know, you see guys coming back all the time. Frank Knight, your buddy who played at St. Mary's, although he didn't play for Randy Bennett. I mean, if that doesn't underscore kind of the culture that he's built at St. Mary's, make the alumni proud to be uh, Gales and, you know, the guy that the guys that play for him continue to come back. I think that's the main theme is just the culture that he's built and how that mantra uh, that he has never sacrificed uh, when, you know, when he first came to St. Mary's, the way he wanted to build a program, good teammates, good people uh, that has never wavered and, he's done it the right way in, in that sense. And I think that's, there's something to be celebrated uh, for that. And, you know, shoot 500 wins, man. I mean, can we say consideration for the hall of fame, 500 wins at St. Mary's college. 
Heck yeah. And uh, he's got like 400 more than the guy who's number two on the series <laughs> all time. So um, pretty remarkable run. He made an appearance on Jim Rome this week. Love Romy. So he was asked about, hey, why stay at St. Mary's all these years? It's <laughs> a great question. One, probably the biggest is I'm happy. And don't mess with happy. So I'm happy here. They've done a lot to make it where I can stay here and have a chance to play at the highest level. So uh, Gonzaga's a good gauge, what they've done there. And if they can do what they've done, then we can do that as well at St. Mary's. It's just you have to get good players and, and you have to have you have to have the resources and you have to have an administration that is a hundred percent on board as far as you know trying to just some decisions don't cost money. Some decisions are just a commitment. We're gonna we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We want our men's basketball program to be as successful as they can. You know, within without going low character or, or cutting corners or anything like that. So as long as those things are in place, I mean, the, the, the other factor is once you're here at a place, it becomes your home. It becomes your place. You have a lot of equity in the program. You have players coming back. You, you watch their kids grow up. I can't put a price tag on that, but it's worth a lot. Like it's, it's just kind of your family, your home. And when you, Jump around if you go you go to a place and you're there five or six years and you bolt because of the things you said um, or because you don't think you can take it any further there. It's different. Like that isn't your home. That's a place you coached for five or six years and then moved on. But I think what Mark has and uh, what I've been able to get here is, is different. And I, I do think it's a it's a way to it's a way to have a really successful program. There's a lot of coaches that have very successful programs who have done the same. And then there's a lot that have jumped around and, and it's not the same. You know what? Uh, he didn't say very much in general, but you get him about something he cares about. He'll roll for a while. Oh yeah. This is and... a good dude. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, dude. I remember I met him when, uh, you know, his first year. Or so they were two and 27 you know, the year before and uh, I said, hey, what made you think about this job? Like, what made you think you could do it here? Why here? And he goes, dude, I just wanted a job. I, I, know that. I didn't know that I would love St. Mary's. I just wanted someone to give me a head coaching job. And for him to uh, get here, fall in love with it, obviously the community loves him. It's been you know, an amazing run. Yeah, I, I really like the, the part where he's talking about the equity and you know, like we just talked about, right? Having alumni come back, watching their kids grow up and just like, you know, I just having as an alumni of St. Mary's College, you know, that's and, and you know, you've seen the atmosphere after the game where everyone comes on the floor. It's just a very um, homey, family oriented atmosphere. It's just what St. Mary's College is about. It's what it's built on. And, and you know, for the college to make a commitment to say we want to be good in men's basketball and follow through with that um like we're seeing you know with the with what's going up at university credit union pavilion right now um and you know where the men's basketball program is going to be housed next season um it that's that that shows you right the college the athletic department is committed to having their men's basketball program 
stay in a place and continue to rise. Um, and that's, you know, you have to have that buy-in to, to have, to keep a guy like, like Randy Bennett around. But I, again, it's the, the part where he's talking about the equity and how happy he is at Moraga and you don't mess with happy. It goes back to those same founding principles, you know, of being a good teammate, being a good person. And he's happy right now. Um, and it, it, that was a great interview that, that Rome did. And, and, to get that out of the end of it was just, I mean, it was awesome. I just thought of one of the coolest things he's done and it just totally fell beneath the radar. He's always respected those guys that helped build the program. And when they weren't any good, they were, you know, nine wins, 10 wins. And there was a player who died in the off season named Chase Poole out of Texas. And he was one of the, one of the first guys that kind of set the st- standard of how we work, how we compete. They weren't great, but he was one of those early guys. And that family was honored before one of the games this year. This is 20 years ago. A guy had been around, and he was a you know eight point a game guy. But Coach Bennett and the program brought his family in to honor him before a basketball game, and I could see before the anthem. I mean, he was clearly emotionally like wiped the tear out of his eye, then went back to his team and, and coached the basketball game. But it just shows how much he appreciates uh, the guys that laid the foundation, you know, of the program and how much you know they mean to him. Yeah, and it, and I've heard him say this over and over. It's it's about people, you know. It's it's. You know, basketball obviously plays a big role, but it's about the people. And, um, you know, that's what makes him special is, uh, you know, he, he cares about the people. You know, and that, and that your point underscores that, you know, and um, I don't know, it's just uh, it, it's he's such a great fit for St. Mary's College and vice versa. And what I mean, you know, beyond all that and, you know, what he's built at St. Mary's is like unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, where he's gotten this program and the fact that he stayed, um, you know, I think uh, that's that's kind of the most important thing. And, and um, you know, it's been a it's been a really fun program to watch kind of grow as you've seen it grow as well. And it's just I think the marriage between coach and the and the, and the school, and the administration they have there right now is just they're really in lockstep with everything that they want to do. Hey, you got a pretty nice room there in Vegas. I like that. You yeah. Take the, the camera around. You got the hookup. Well, I mean, that's what happens when uh, your fiance is uh, with the Pac-12 networks and uh, they, they hold their tournament in Mandalay Bay. So <laughs> I've, no, you're doing reconnaissance and, and you know, doing a lot. You've been studying every single moment, you know, prepping for the possible matchups. That's a real professional. I'm trying, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's a labor of love, you know, it's, yeah, it's a labor no. of love. I, you know, we—I I think we're both lucky enough to to kind of be in a position to love what we do, and um, you know, it's uh, it's a grind at times, but there's no nothing else I'd rather be doing. You know, this is this is like—I mean, this and this is the best time of the year. March Madness, baseball is right around the corner. You know, everything's kind of coming to a culmination that began all the way back in you know for these guys like June. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're lucky to do what we do, man. I mean, you know, it's it's. And there's, there's never a day that goes by that I don't I don't feel that. And that's why I have the passion to, you know, to, to be this, you know, to be well prepared and what have you, you know. But this is such a fun time of year. It's hard not to want to do the legwork, you know, to uh, to get ready to, to go to work. Hey, one last thing. Uh, where does Lenardi have the Gales? And is there a chance to climb up any higher in the tournament? I think they were a five um, at the last – I think if they went out, I think they've got a, a chance to be a four. You know, if they beat Gonzaga, obviously here in, in Vegas, and they would have to get through BYU, Portland, or LMU. 
Um, but I think they, I think they could get to a four. They, I, I will say that the, their resume to me, and there's more parity this year. I mean, there's not that group of 10, 15 teams who have, you know, a resume that's going to put them in the top 12, 16 overall seeds, no matter what. But to me, it's almost like their resume this year, um, isn't quite as strong as it was a year ago. You know, a couple of quad three losses. I think they're two and two in quad one. They do have a, I think they're six and one or something like that in quad two. Um, but there's just, this year has been so crazy where there hasn't been a dominant team. There hasn't been a dominant group of teams, really. There's been so much parity, uh, this year that there's holes in everybody's resume. So yeah, but that's a long way to say, I think if they win these next two games, I think they're pretty solidified on the five seed on the five line with a, with a chance to get to four. Cool, man. It's uh, Alex Jensen, longtime voice of the St. Mary's Gales. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of days. Okay. Same here, Dave. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate you player. The best play-by-play announcer in the West Coast Conference, that is Alex Jensen. You can subscribe to The Dave Lewis Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. The subscriptions are huge. The comments, the five-star reviews, also a big help. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.